Carlsbad, People, Purpose, and Impact, an essential podcast for those who live, work, visit, and play in Carlsbad. Good afternoon and welcome, everyone. My name is Brett Schonsenbach. I'm the president and CEO of the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce, and I am your host today. I'm pleased to have with me Mr. Edric Uwe. Did I say it right? Uwe. Uwe. I just... <laughs> I was practicing. Close. Edric Uwe. He's a, a middle school math teacher at Calavera Hills Middle School here in Carlsbad. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And uh, before we you know, get too far into this, we want to make sure and mention that you were one of our teachers of the year uh, last year at our CBAT Awards for middle school. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was an, an honor. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, you and I have talked a little bit when we were working on the interview for that award, but I would love for our audience, for our audience's sake that we're talking to today to, to learn a little bit more about you. So what got you into education in the first place? Um, it started young for me. Um, my mom was a preschool teacher. So being in, in and out of classrooms was sort of just part of my growing up in my everyday vernacular. Volunteering in classrooms was sort of just one of my chores um, growing up. So being a teacher's assistant came pretty young for me. I majored in math in college and I was going to go the route of um, straight up academia where I'd try Mm. and get as far as I could in math. Um, And then I dipped my foot into the teaching well and realized that it was it was a bug that I had yeah. and uh, realized that it was in my blood and, and sort of took off from there for sure. That's great. My mom was a high school teacher, and so I know what you mean about being a teacher's assistant at a young age. I had a similar <laughs> yeah. experience. And so you mentioned you had a passion for math. So was that from early on, or, or how did you get so hooked on math? I think for me, it was it was an easy subject for me initially. Um, and then I realized how powerful it was to be good at problem solving, mm. um, how it applied to a lot of different things and how sort of the framework of things just made sense to me in that respect. And I think um, there's a lot of power that comes with math. And it's also a very polarizing subject, yeah. even growing up, you know, like there was, there was always some apprehension towards math, but I, it, it was something that I always gravitated towards for sure. I think people do fall into that camp. They're either... They really enjoy it or they really dislike it. Most definitely, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting, but middle school. I mean, <laughs> middle school is oh, yeah. not everybody's cup of tea. How yeah. did did you start right off in middle school or how how long have you been doing it for middle school specifically? And, and why do you like that level? Yeah. So initially, um, I actually started at the high school level Okay. Um, at a school called Buena Park up in uh, LA County. Mm-hmm. That's where I started my student teaching. That's really where I, I, I gained my stripes as a teacher. Um, and I picked up a teaching position from there, and I taught there for about five years. Um, and then I met my lovely wife. Yes. Um, and um, things happened. You yeah. Know? And uh, we we ended up looking for housing, and housing yeah. was pretty unaffordable for us up there. And luckily, my parents uh, – I grew up in Oceanside, so my parents nice. – um, we're looking to move into a condo. So they had my childhood home available to us. Excellent. So circumstances sort of fell into place where they offered us to live there. And that's where I started sort of putting my feelers out there for new positions. Um, and I saw Calavera Hills pop up. And after I interviewed, I knew automatically that that was sort of where I wanted to end up and definitely put my full energy into it. And five years later, I'm I'm here teaching nice. middle school. Yeah. That's wonderful. And so 
the shift because it sounds like you did about five years in high school yes. and now about five years in middle school mm-hmm. and you're still you're still dialed in on middle school. <laughs> I think that high. I mean, there's pros and cons with, with sure. both of those levels, but it's kind of it's it's a blessing in disguise that I had the high school experience first because I sort of see where the trajectory mm-hmm. is taking them. Right. Um, and I I feel like as a middle school teacher, you have the capacity to sort of hit them early, especially in the math game, to sort of build that momentum and that confidence that we know that they need to propel them through their high school experiences, wherever that those math experiences might take them. And I think that's really why my heart is so passionate about middle school, because we have that capacity to sort of get the ball rolling um, in a way that helps them be more successful at that level, for sure. Oh, that's great. And you have a, an amazing uh, principal at your school. Oh, yeah, definitely. Shout out Dr. Ecker. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Ecker is awesome. We greatly appreciate him here. Now, but I don't know how long – was he there when you got hired? Was he, Or did he come in after you got hired? No, yes. He was um, in my interview panel, actually. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So you've been working with him the whole time. Yes. Wonderful guy, wonderful leader. Absolutely. Yeah. And so overall – uh, it sounds like about 10 years in teaching, five of them here at Calavera Middle, mm-hmm. and uh, no end in sight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it's pretty far down there. Yeah, but yeah. I, I definitely like where I am for sure. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a brief pause. We're talking to Edric Uwe. Did I say it right? Yep, you got ah, it. I got it. Edric Uwe, who's a math teacher at Calavera Hills. And when we come back, you're going to hear some amazing things that he's brought into the classroom to make math tangible for his students. We'll be right back. So, Edric, we were kind of talking about your passion for math, and I love one of the comments you made about how practical and applicable it can be to solving problems Mm -hmm. and things like that. You've brought um, interesting, experiential math things into your classroom to kind of drive that point home. And so we've heard about some, I'm not sure if we've heard of all, but Uh I would love to tease out a few of these. And we heard that you've had a student run business in your class before, or maybe currently. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, I had the opportunity from Dr. Eckerd to be a part of a program that enables students to sort of find themselves as entrepreneurs. I haven't yet launched specifically a project through that capacity, but we've definitely made strides in creating an entrepreneurial mindset in my class through nice. a, different, a bunch of different projects. And I think it's, it, I mean, it just makes sense. Math and business just makes sense because there's so many numbers. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of numbers that that dictate the success, the successes and failures of what you do. And um, definitely a, a, a great thing to encourage kids and empower them right. um, as entrepreneurs at such a young age, because I teach six. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to see their lights turn on and sort of them take off with that business mindset. That's that's fun. That's very fun. And I hope it it continues. (laughs) Uh, We've heard you have a a test kitchen in your classroom or have in the past. Yeah. So we as a six, I can't take credit for this entire project, but we as a sixth grade team build an entire cookbook from the ground up. Wow. um, And it becomes a sellable product at the end of the year. Excellent. And it's, it's really cool to to give the kids an opportunity to see not only just a cross-curricular like sort of uh, project, but an end product that's yeah. tangible that they can see, and they, they they at the end of the year they they have propriety over it. Yeah. You know, they can they can sell it. Like there's there's actual profits that are involved there, and we've done it every single year. Um, don't know if we're doing it this year just because I've been out because I've I've. Uh, 
had my kid, but um, definitely something that I'm super proud of. And one of the things that I know that's the most memorable for kids there. Awesome. And yes, we were talking uh, before we went on air about your recent addition to your family. So congratulations. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. that's amazing. <laughs> and I love that idea, though, with the cookbook. And um, like you said, there can be like a real pride of ownership, yeah. right? When you're going to end up with that product that, uh, you know, maybe um, like, you know, your your parents, your aunts and uncles, your grandparents, you know, buy a copy from you. And it's kind of, yeah. it kind of lives on. You and know? it's an authentic audience, you know, when, yeah. you're, when you're sort of put under the microscope in that sense, when you have a product that's being shown to people other than just me. I'm not, I'm not the only one grading it. Right. It's not the grade. It's actually, you have to have some pride in that product. You, know? you got to make the real grade. <laughs> right, exactly. Because <laughs> if grandma thinks it doesn't work, you're in trouble. <laughs> right. If grandma's asking where the recipe that she gave you is, then that's a different conversation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> then we also heard that you had created an escape room in your classroom. Oh, yeah. So there's a program called Breakout EDU that I love to use. Um, and it's just something that gamifies what we do in class because there's a lot of times where just the drill and kill and the rote memorization yeah. of mathematics comes into play. And that's when you start losing kids and when you start having the the camps of I'm a math person, I'm not a math person. Right. So if you can engage those kiddos in, in a lot of different ways by making it more tangible and making it more meaningful and just having fun with it, I find that there's a lot better success. And kids remember that. You know, yeah. kids don't remember the – well. Kids might remember those timed multiplication tests that you that you had to take, right? Which uh, in 60 seconds, how many could you get correct? But I'm hoping those kids remember those escape rooms in a more fonder light. Right, <laughs> Definitely. yeah. And I, I think you're on to something there. <laughs> I think they will. Yeah. Those are all just amazing examples of making math more real and tangible and fun. Yes. You know, like you said, it is a very um, practical skill to have math for problem solving. Mm-hmm. So- those things couldn't have been quite as easy during the whole COVID lockdown thing. I mean, how did that period go, you know, doing, especially the the style that you bring in and with your hands-on style, how, how did that go? Yeah, it was definitely a challenge. It's, it's, it was a humbling experience as a teacher, the mm. COVID times, um, just having to start from square one almost and yeah. reevaluate the way that you approach your lessons. And I think that all of us teachers really tried our best in that sense, trying to reinvent the wheel in a lot of ways to how we could best approach that stuff. But I think coming in with the same energy, coming in with the same passion, even though it might not be the same person to person, like I'm, I'm hoping that the kids that I had during that COVID time still had that sense of energy and passion for me, because I think that's really where it stems from. And I... Obviously, there's accommodations and modifications that we had to make in terms of making things make more sense digitally. We didn't get to accomplish the cookbook over uh, the COVID break, sure. but there's definitely different projects that we we managed to do in a way that I think that was relevant to them during the time and provided them that same sense of engagement that they would have had in my classroom in person, too. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And... um Math scores are one of the things that in the media lately that oh, they've yeah. been saying had suffered during um, COVID time. So the kids that are coming into you now, do you feel like they're a little bit behind where you would normally expect a sixth grader to be? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's sort of, it's the symptom of the pandemic, you yeah. know, and there's, there's, there was a lot of different circumstances, how distance learning went in a lot of different households. Right. So accounting for that, and sort of addressing their needs where they are is definitely something that we are trying our best to do. But I also think that in that respect, it's it, just like how we had to reinvent the wheel 
when we were at distance learning, we sort of have to reinvent the wheel now to try and get them into a place where they have that mindset because the kids hear that as well. The kids hear the yeah. noise from the outside media, like our test stores are low. What do I do about this? And it's, it's sort of about changing that paradigm in the kid themselves to not really measure themselves based on that test score, but to give them that sense of propriety, to give them that sense of confidence, because that really is what they need to be successful in the math that we're doing right now. So as long as we address that and engaging ways, I think that test scores will come, you know? Yeah. 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 Good. Well said. I like that. Were there any, um, things, uh, you know, COVID was such a disruptor, but mm -hmm. you know, it forced obviously the shift at that time, but are there any things that came out of it that have lingered in a positive sense? Yeah. I, I would say that communication digitally mm. was paramount during distance learning. And that's sort of something that I continued with, not that I wasn't great at it, but it became one of the cornerstones of best practices in teaching that if you can't connect with your parents or your kids digitally, right. then you wouldn't be successful as a teacher. And that I, th I think that even though we're back in person, that that's sort of a cornerstone for best practices in teaching moving forward. Um, and then just um, having the humility to reinvent the wheel, I yeah. think, because a lot of um, us educators sort of get caught in um, a system of uh, redoing stuff, you know, right. where um, it worked before, so I'm going to keep on doing it again and again and again. And it sort of, it humbles us as educators to sort of reinvent the wheel, even as much as we might not want to, as hard as it might be, as many hours as it might take to reinvest. But it's uh, it's definitely a mindset that I think is a positive that came out of COVID for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because it, it is easy to get stuck in, I've always done it this yeah, way, so exactly. I'm going to keep doing it this way. <laughs> one of my master teachers still used one of those old school overhead projectors, oh you know, my. and he was like really good at it. Yeah. But kids are sitting there with Chromebooks looking at an overhead projector. Oh it just goodness. doesn't make much sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's interesting right there. <laughs> What's the future of education look like from where you sit? The future looks bright. I think that the kids that we have are living in a world that's scary at times. I mean, just their mm. access to information and their access to technology yeah. is pretty scary, but also just a new frontier. I think that there's a lot of power that we can give kids in terms of what that represents to them. And if we do it in the right way, that technology, that access becomes something that is a linchpin to their success moving forward. And I think education really should reside in the realm of some of the soft skills that might get overlooked. I mean, in the business world, you look for, for people who have like good communication skills, you know, right. that are really good in working in teams that are critical thinkers that are good problem solvers, things that to me sound like math. Yeah. You know? And I think if we shift the paradigm in education away from a lot of that noise with test scores, test scores, test scores, and data and data and data, and try and find a way to create mechanisms through math that allow us to work on those soft skills, um, create, a, I mean, a, a stronger student in general. And that's what we want. I mean, I think all of us as educators and all of us parents want our kids to be happy and confident, but also want them to be successful in the long run. And I know Lord knows that there's no jobs that they're going to apply for where they need that 60-second uh, multiplication <laughs> test, right? But they definitely are going to need to know how to work together in a team. Yeah. They're going to need some confidence, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to need to know how to problem solve when they get thrown into the deep end. What kinds of skills can I come back on? What kinds of tools can I utilize? And how can I push forward in a positive way? 
Oh, that's excellent. No, you're on it. The, we hear a lot from our um, member businesses that mm-hmm. those soft skills, you know, they can train for technical specific things. They yes. need somebody to know, yep. but they need people with those um, soft skills coming in. Right. And uh, that's great. I think I think you're on to something there. Well, is there anything else that we missed about the classroom <laughs> of the future that you run there that we want to make sure and highlight? Um, I mean, I think I, I covered most of the bases in terms of what I want to try and accomplish for yeah. sure. And I think as long as we keep on getting more people on board with that mindset, I think the sky's the limit and that yeah. will start to feel really good about where education is heading for sure. Well, Carlsbad Unified's blessed to have you here. Um, Calavera Hills, of course, is uh, excited to have you on their team. And um, we're really grateful for all that you do to make our community thrive. And um, thanks for taking time to come down and just chat and share with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely had a great time. Thanks for joining us on our Carlsbad People, Purpose and Impact podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please hit the follow button on wherever you get your audio. And please tell a friend. We would love to hear your feedback, which you can share at carlsbadpodcast.com. You can leave us a review, ask a question, or leave an audio comment, which we can play on the show in the future. And that's all we have for today. Can't wait to see you next time on Carlsbad People, Purpose, and Impact. And remember, share some kindness today. It's free, creates goodwill, and makes you feel great.